Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our sermon text is recorded in Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Fellow redeemed, the scene set before us today is often called the triumphant entry. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the Sunday of Holy Week as a conquering hero to meet the archenemy Satan on the battlefield of the cross. We may picture a conquering hero in the days of antiquity, riding on a Roman chariot with a herald sounding a trumpet before him, surrounded by soldiers on majestic horses. Considering this mental picture, we may ask of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, is this any way for a conquering king to make an entrance? On a borrowed animal, a beast of burden? In May of 1800, just before his important victory over Austrian forces, Napoleon Bonaparte crossed the Alps at St. Bernard, riding on a mule. This event is the subject of a famous painting by Jacques-Louis David. Noticeably missing from the painting is the mule. Napoleon was aware of the humility and burden associated with this animal. Instead, Napoleon is pictured with confidence, calm on a spirited white horse, firmly in control in the face of war. This painting presents more propaganda than history. The text before us today, however, is not propaganda. It shows us that our triumphant King Jesus Christ is not ashamed to be seen as lowly, riding on a donkey. This leads to the question which will serve as the theme for our meditation this morning. What kind of king is Christ? First, Christ is the king God promised to send. This is a fact recognized by the gospel writer Matthew in the crowd in Jerusalem that Sunday. Matthew writes that this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. He quotes the words from the Old Testament prophet Zechariah, 
See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The crowd publicly proclaimed that Jesus was the king from the line of David promised in the Psalms and the prophets, the Messiah. They shouted, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna is a Hebrew expression meaning save or help. For the crowd and for us as we sing hosannas in our liturgy and hymns, this is an exclamation of praise and cry for help. Some from the crowd took off their cloaks and spread them on the ground. Many waved palm branches, a symbol of liberty, victory, and joy. In their words and actions, the crowd proclaimed, secondly, that Christ is a king who is victorious over our enemies. Christ brings liberty, victory, and joy by defeating our enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh. How does Christ win the victory? Here again, he operates contrary to human reason and expectations by suffering for us. He wins the victory by bearing our burdens. What is our greatest burden? We may think of all our schoolwork or emotional or financial burdens. Our greatest burden, however, quite simply is sin. Because of sin, each of us is in a desperate situation from which we cannot save ourselves. Psalm 51 tells us we were brought forth in iniquity and were sinful from conception. As a result, our minds are hostile to God. Our thoughts are filled with lust and greed. Our words are often mean-spirited. We serve ourselves and fail to help those around us who are in need. This is shown by scripture to be a very serious matter. For whoever has broken just one of God's commandments is guilty of breaking all of them. Guilty before God, we deserve eternal punishment in hell. In the text before us, we see that Jesus Christ, true God and true man, willingly rode into Jerusalem to bear the burden of our sin. This week we will see Jesus betrayed, beaten, mocked, and killed. The guiltless Son of God will be tried and executed as the chief of sinners. And this is our comfort. Christ did all this for us. He freed us from the death grip of sin and Satan. The Apostle Paul put it this way, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. As Jesus rode through the city of Jerusalem, we read, all the city was stirred. All took notice. Some were moved with wonder at the novelty of the thing. Others were laughing at the lowliness of it. Others cried with joy, while the leaders were filled with envy. Where do you picture yourself in the crowd? Before you are quick to identify yourself with those waving their branches and cheering, let me remind you that this crowd too could be swayed. A few days later, many of them would join the mob which cried out, Crucify! Crucify! But in this regard, we must admit that we are like those who are swayed. We all too often are weak in our confession as we face the sway of the crowd or opposition. We may find it easy to stand up for the truths of Holy Scripture, to be concerned about sanctified living, and to speak about our Savior at a Christian college or seminary. 
But what about when we're off this campus and out in the world? at work or at social gatherings. It is easy to be led into coarse joking and flesh-pleasing actions and to forget that we are set apart as children of God. Do we suddenly become ashamed when those around us mock belief in a creation or say that Jesus was only a good man? We have all failed as Christ's witnesses and so have joined the crowd that mocked him. In the account before us and throughout the week, we will see Jesus' witness and his perfect obedience to the Father's will, his obedience to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus' blood shed at the cross cleanses us from our disobedience and purifies us from all sin, including our failure to confess him. We are covered in the robe of Christ's righteousness. Wearing robes of Christ's righteousness, may we join in the great multitude from every tribe, people, and language, holding palm branches in our hands and singing, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you, we bless and praise you forever that you sent your Son to rule over us poor sinners, who for our transgressions justly deserve to remain in the bondage of sin and Satan, and that in him you gave us a meek and righteous King, who by his death became our Savior from sin and eternal death. We beseech you so to enlighten, govern, and direct us by your Holy Spirit, that we may ever remain faithful to this righteous King and Savior, and not after the manner of this world, be offended by his humble form and despised word, but firmly believing in him, obtain eternal salvation. Through the same your beloved Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.